Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM podcast on what is a feeling that I kind of knew was coming. I didn't expect the Rangers to fare particularly well in this series against Tampa. Coming into the series, I said Tampa Bay in six games, and I felt relatively confident that barring something crazy, the, the Rangers wouldn't be able to beat the Lightning in this series, and... The reason it's frustrating and why I've kind of been so mad the last day and a half or so I'm recording on Sunday night here, that was a golden opportunity, man. I I talked about this a lot in the Twitter spaces I hosted after the game was over on Saturday night. I talked about it a lot with pretty much anybody who's texted me throughout the course of my Sunday, even though I'm pretty tired and pretty hungover. That was a golden opportunity, man. You do not know how many times you're going to get invited this far along. You don't know how many times you are going to get the breaks that go your way in elimination games that many times in a row. You're never going to know. You might not get back to a conference final for two or three years. And by then, you're looking at a very different team in terms of expenses, because the young guys are going to be paid by then. Uh, production, because you have no idea what 32-year-old Chris Kreider, 32-year-old Zabinijad, 33-year-old Panarin, what those guys are going to look like two or three years from now. So there's a lot of moving parts. We're going to get to it, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about where the Rangers go from here. But before I get to today's show, I do have to remind everybody to please support the show Shows available on all the major podcasting platforms. Please follow and subscribe. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave the show a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, once you hit the subscribe button in the top right corner, you're going to scroll past our most recent episodes. There's going to be five clear purple stars. That Hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button that says write a review. If you could be so kind as to leave the show a few words, that would be terrific. Support your content creators wherever you consume their content. Interact with it so more people can find it. That's the way social media algorithms work. The more people interact with something, the more likely other people are to find it. Okay, that's it for the preamble. Won't be a particularly long episode because I want to do more conversation centered around this with guests because I think it'll lend itself to a little bit more informative discussion. I'll see you guys in one second. And with that, we will get on into it. So, the big thing for me for a lot of this season with the Rangers was I was not a believer in the vision that the front office and, to be frank, the head coach had for this team. What they wanted to be and what they actually were, those were two very different things. The Rangers want to play a high-leverage tempo-based counterattack style offense. They want to be able to absorb pressure defensively from the outside, turn the puck over quickly, and get to offense very fast. And against bad teams, or against teams that aren't particularly structured, the Rangers fared pretty well. Um, The ones that come to mind are the games against Pittsburgh at the end of the regular season, especially the one at the Garden, and I think it was 
March 28th or 29th, the one of the last home games of the season, they had Pittsburgh in shambles because Pittsburgh would take a shot from a shitty angle, the Rangers would recover the rebound, and they'd be on the counterattack going the other way. The puck would get out, it would be in a forward, on a forward stick, and they'd be going the other way as quick as possible trying to get an odd man rush, whether it be a three-on-two or a two-on-one. And as the playoffs go along, we have repeatedly seen this type of offense struggle in the postseason because there is less room to operate. The teams you are playing against are better. They're going to have better defensemen, be more, more difficult to get to offense with speed. I, I wanted to keep hammering this point, and I think it's worth repeating here even now. Um, the Rangers had nothing. As soon as Tampa took away the passing lanes, Tampa wasn't letting the Rangers get to offense with speed. As soon as the Rangers stopped being able to get to offense with speed, the offense dried up. They scored one goal at 5-on-5 in four games. That's unacceptable. That is flat-out unacceptable to score one 5-on-5 goal over that much of a period of time. And now, look, I understand there are some caveats here, some conditions, excuses, whatever you want to call it. Strom playing very, very compromised in Game 6 wasn't a great idea. If he was that fickle, that close to not being able to go, they shouldn't have dressed him. And I understand Strom is one of their better players, and you saw the difference. I talked about this with Matt Albert on the show last week, that even though the Rangers weren't particularly good in Game 5, you could see how much of a difference having Strom out there on that second line made as compared to Game 4, where they just couldn't do anything, at least when Strom was out there. He can receive the puck, he can create zone entries, and he'll go to good areas on the ice. He just won't be able to finish them. That's the kind of stuff that'll haunt you, man. That goal Strom missed in Game 5 is going to haunt the Rangers. The Rangers blowing a 2-1 lead with 10 minutes to go in Game 3 is going to haunt you. And when we've seen teams like this struggle to create offense for whatever reason, most of the time it's because of who they're playing, you gotta realize that not everybody watches things the exact same way. This is something I talk about all the time and I find very interesting is there are so many different opinions about what makes good hockey because there are so many perspectives, because there are so many schools of thought, because everybody watches it a little bit differently. And since nobody in hockey media, in the mainstream hockey media who does the sport, like the pro riders, like ESPN or TNT, really explains the tactics to people, a lot of people don't really understand what makes a good hockey player or what what leads to success. There are a lot of people out there who think Jacob Trouba is very good at defense because he blocks shots and hits people a lot. Jacob Trouba is horrendous defensively. Jacob Trouba's best skills are as a puck mover. I mean, the... The amount of times this year we saw Truba do exactly what he did on the Stamkos goal in Game 6, where he got caught flat-footed, in between, not knowing whether to pinch or to retreat, and getting burned because he has no lateral agility. Whenever Truba gets caught flat-footed, he can't turn around fast enough to skate full speed, fast enough to catch up to the play, and he gets burned a lot, a lot, a lot. And there are a lot of people out there who think Jacob Truba's good at defense. He's not. He can block shots and he can throw hits. He's not good at playing defense. He doesn't actively suppress scoring chances against. I mean, 
let's let's call a spade a spade here. Trooper was fucking awful against Tampa, and Tampa didn't even have their best forward in Braden Point, and they still had Trouba in fucking hell. I I digress. I digress. But the reason I'm so dismayed, um, discouraged about what happened was. For all intents and purposes, this is the group. You're not adding anybody significant to this group without getting rid of somebody who's a part of it already. If you okay, if you can trade Truba or Kreider in a year or two when they're full no moves, go to limited no moves, maybe you can find another impact expensive guy to add, or maybe in another two years or so, we finally get out of the COVID. We get rid of the um. Why can't I think of the word um? The COVID deficit the players need to make up. Oh, yeah, escrow. That was the word I was looking for. Until the players make up that billion dollars or so of escrow losses from the 2020 season, the salary cap's not going to go up. So the Rangers aren't going to be able to add a marquee player. And they're going to have to take care of their own guys very soon. I mean, this summer they have to take care of Kako. Next year they have to take care of Lafreniere and Miller, which those two will probably be relatively on the expensive side. They're going to need to figure out what exactly they want their team identity to be because they didn't have the talent to play the type of style that Gerard Gallant wanted, and I think that was very apparent for most of the regular season. The Rangers weren't a very good team in transition this year, and that's the life's blood of Gallant's teams, especially the good Vegas teams after their first run. What made Vegas so good was their ability to come in waves, that no matter what, the forecheck was always buzzing, they were getting from defense to offense quickly, and they constantly had the other team under pressure. For the great majority of this season, the Rangers were awful in transition because they didn't have any good forwards. This was a team that was playing Barker Goodrow, second line right wing, for the first three months of the season. Dryden Hunt playing a lot of second line right wing for long stretches of the season. They were playing Lafreniere on his offside on the right wing with Zabinijad and Kreider. They were playing Kako up there with Zabinijad and Kreider. And they weren't generating enough offense. And that's a real problem we're going to have to address here. That was good water. I needed that. I'm still I'm still working on my way back from a long Saturday, but the Rangers do not have the ability to go out and add another major player without removing somebody from this group already. That's the first point we need to circle around on. So, do you think you're going to get a career year again from Zibanejad, from Panarin, from Kreider, from whoever's going to play second line center if they don't bring back Ryan Strom? Can you count on that? That four of your five best forwards are going to all have career years again? You're probably not going to be able to afford to bring back Vetrano, Kopp, and Strom. You're only probably going to be able to bring back one of those guys and have to find a replacement middle six wing and then hope you can play Kako or Lafreniere on that first line right wing going into next season because there isn't mass. Nothing in the world would make me happier than the Rangers finding a way to bring in some really good middle six forwards, somebody like a Jesse Pugliarvi, that would be, and Evan Rodriguez even. That would be awesome to bolster this lineup because they need more guys who can play the way Gerard Gallant wants this team to play because I, they're not getting rid of him. As much as I think Gallant is a big reason why they lost in this series against Tampa, they're not getting rid of him. They think he's good. And look, 
There's a reason he's burned out in the last three places, the last two places in three years in each at Florida and in Vegas, but I think they're getting closer to where they want to be, but they're not going to be able to get the exact right mix of talent and experience for a while because of the salary cap implications we were just talking about. I would like to say that they're heading in the absolute right direction, but it depends on what this team decides to take away from it. There is somebody somewhere who thinks that the Rangers need to triple down on getting guys like Berkeley Goodrow, like Ryan Reeves. Like, There's a lot of people out there who act like just putting Sammy Blay on the fourth line is going to solve all this team's problems. The Rangers need guys who can play hockey. I know Goodrow is playing on a fractured ankle or a, ding- a very injured ankle for most of these playoffs. He wasn't scoring you a goal in these playoffs. I like Tyler Mott a lot, but Tyler Mott had two goals in the playoffs. Goodrow's not giving you anything on offense. Reeves isn't giving you anything on offense. The third line was the Rangers' best line in the playoffs, the kid line, because they were the only line that was willing to go to work, to cycle the puck out, to work the puck to dirty areas, to engage in puck battles below the goal line, and really fucking prosecute an agenda against the other team, as opposed to waiting for plays to develop like the Zabijad and Kreider duo do and like Strom and Panarin do. Sometimes you're going to have to get outside of your comfort zone and play a little bit differently than you would like to, and the Rangers' top six wasn't able to do that. The Lightning had Zabijad and Kreider in the walls of Jericho for four straight games. That group gave them basically nothing at five-on-five, And it's because of the way they like to play. And it's why they need to find somebody on that line, whether it be internal or from outside, that can make offense by themselves by creating zone entries for that group by themselves. Because anytime Zabinijad dumps the puck in deep, he doesn't go get it. For as physical and as fast as Chris Kreider is, he doesn't get a lot of puck retrievals. That's the kind of shit that's so agitating is you see what the Rangers could be. And that's, I think, why I've taken such a sour perspective as opposed to a lot of the people out there who are very much taking the sunshine and rainbows approach of they weren't supposed to get this far, it's fine, the team is young. Yeah, some of the team is young. Panarin is 30. Zabinijad is about to be 30. Kreider's the other side of 30. Those are your three leading scorers this year. You banking on those guys Doing this again, do you really think Kreider's going to shoot 50% on the power play again? Do you really think Panarin's going to have 75, 76 assists again? Do you really think Zabinijad is going to push 90 points again? That's the thing I keep trying to explain to people when we talk about analytics. is They're not saying what will happen. They're saying what is likely to happen based on previous play. If a player is consistently on the ice for more scoring chances against than score them chances they create, over the long term, they are going to be on the ice for more goals against than goals for. It's simple statistical understanding of basic statistical understanding of relationships. We know this. There's a strong correlation between quantity of scoring chances and goals. Eventually, you are going to get a bad break and. That's something I keep trying to explain to everybody who gets all bent out of shape about talking about expected goals and scoring chances, especially in relation to the playoffs, because 
The Rangers only... Rangers were below 40% of expected goals for the entire Pittsburgh series. Most of this series against Tampa. It's not impossible to win playing like that. It's just a lot more difficult, which is what anybody who cites these statistics is trying to say. Not saying it's impossible to win like that. We're saying you shouldn't have to expect your goalie to make 95% of the saves he faces every single game and only be able to score on the power play. Where no one is saying that's the only that's not working because the Rangers did it for an entire season. Saying it's really hard to maintain that because you're only depending on a few people to play at a super high level. I don't feel like that's a, I don't feel like people recognize how unrealistic of an expectation that is big picture to just say, yeah, these guys are good. They'll do it because the Rangers are not going to be able to win a Stanley Cup in the near future with five forwards that the coach trusts. And this is something we really really need to talk about in relation to Gallant is his use of the kid line in these playoffs has been an an abomination. They were his best line all three of these playoff series, and they were playing 11 minutes in games five and six. For what? For Frank Vetrano? For Barkley Goodrow? That's really what we're doing here, Gallant? I, I just do not understand the logic and shortening your bench, and taking out your best players. That line was consistently the Rangers' only line that was able to engage a cycle and to press the other team. Zbigniewicz and Kreider weren't doing that. Panera and Stroman Kopp weren't doing that. That kid line was the Rangers' best line, and the coach didn't appreciate it. That's the th- And the thing that irks me, The thing that irks the shit out of me when it comes to Gallant is his total unwillingness to explain anything he wants to do. Anytime Gallant makes a weird decision and one of the brave reporters asks him a question about the decision and he just says, I don't feel like answering that or I'll talk about it some other time. That's what a parent does when they say, because I said so, when you're six. Gallant treats everybody like they're a fucking idiot compared to him. And it rubs me the wrong way. It genuinely irks the shit out of me that this guy is allowed to make these decisions and never articulates his positions on anything. He's able to just skate by on cliches and, ha ha ha, aren't I so funny, laughing at his own jokes like an asshole. That's the thing that has irked me about him all year. I, I remember back in the fall when he very condescendingly cut off Molly Walker, the New York Post, who was asking a very fair question. And he la- he said, I'm not answering that. As if he's, as if he's, that's the thing, man. You want to be a coach in any sport, any professional sport, Talking to the media is part of your job obligation. You can be as miserable of a prick as you want to be, but you need to be able to articulate your positions and ideas to your, to the public so the people get it. And this is the thing. I know a lot of people are very happy with the results the Rangers had this year. So they feel like Gallant did a good job. Gallant was an asshole this entire year. I never really ate up the sunshine and rainbows crap from Gallant about how much fun everybody was having, because anytime he got asked a real question, he deflected and acted like you know, acted like Ted Cruz at a press conference. Oh, uh, we're not going to get into that tonight. 
So you draft the Rangers draft the guy second overall three years ago. He's had an up and down career because the Rangers keep fucking with his playing time. They don't give him consistent line mates, and arbitrary reasons. Unless Gallant wants to say why he dressed Dryden Hunt over Capo Caco, maybe you shouldn't do that. If you don't have a strong enough position that you feel good enough to tell the public about it, why are you making the decision, Gerard? That's the kind of shit that's so fucking annoying to me as, as an intelligent human. And that's the thing. There are so many people content to just let the coach, let the GM, let the players say whatever they want, but they're on my favorite team, so I support the team. Gallant was an asshole to everybody. He's never going to have to answer for the decision he made, too, which is all the more frustrating because I'm not saying Kako over Hunt is the difference between the Rangers winning and losing in Game 6. There is nothing, nothing Dryden Hunt is better at in hockey than Cap Okako. Maybe skating in a straight line. Maybe skating in a straight line speed-wise. Other than that, and the worst part, you broke up your best line in scratching Kako. You broke up the kid line, and they've got no offense. It's the same thing I told everybody coming into this season. The Rangers spent 15 years with a team built around the best goalie in the world, and they couldn't score enough to win. You cannot win a hockey game 0-0. You could have a literal brick wall in front of your team's net, not concede any goals, and you still will lose if you can score at least one time. And that's the thing that's so frustrating because Igor was outstanding. Igor followed up one of the best regular seasons of the last 20 years with one of the best playoffs of the last 20 years. He was outstanding this entire series against Tampa, even though the Rangers were getting their doors blown off at 5-on-5 and only creating minuscule offense. He gave them a chance. Even in Game 6, I knew that if Tampa got up 2-1, the Rangers were not going to be able to score two more times to win the game. I, even if you were to tie it at 2-2, I don't think the Rangers would have been able to find a third goal in overtime. That overtime might have gone quite a while. There are legitimate problems with the way the roster is constructed. I know they had good results this year, and everybody's going to be very happy about that and optimistic because they weren't supposed to go that far this year. But, again, there are real problems with the marriage of the style they want to play and the players they have. The kid line is the best version of that, of what Gallant wants to do, because Heedle, when he has the puck on his stick, he will just skate. He will skate, he will get the puck out of trouble, he will create the zone entry for himself, and he's always looking to set somebody up, get close to the net, create scoring chances the hard way. The, that is what I would like to say the Rangers can build on. But Zvinjad and Kreider showed no willingness to do that. Panarin showed no willingness to do that. It's frustrating. And this is the last big point I want to touch on before I get out of here, and I'll let you know the plans for this week for the show. I am upset that the Rangers lost, obviously. We, we all know this. I wouldn't be doing this podcast in this tone of voice if I wasn't upset. I am more upset at the missed opportunity this year because there are no guarantees. It's what I keep telling everybody and why I don't subscribe to the they got good things coming on the horizon. The Oklahoma City Thunder went to the finals with Westbrook, Durant, and Harden 
in 2011, that team was never in the finals again. The Sharks, as good a group as the Sharks had with Couture and Marlowe and Burns and Jumbo Joes, they went to the cup final one time. You think about that Predators team that went to the cup final with one of the best defensive cores we've ever seen in the modern NHL with P.K. Subban and Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis and all of that talent and Pekka Rene close to the peak of his powers. And Nashville never went back. The Blues won their one cup. The Blues probably never will get back there with that group. There are no guarantees. I think Adam Fox is going to be great. I think Igor is going to be great. I think Ke'Andre Miller is going to keep getting better. I think Lafreniere is ready to have a really good full season in the top six and on power play one. Because unless they bring Strom back, I think he, I mean Lafreniere, will get that bumper spot on the power play. That'll help his point totals go up. I think Kittel is ready to actually get an opportunity to shine, which I've been saying for two years now. If they actually knew what they were doing with him, he would already be pretty good. And we saw him have a really good playoff because he knew what he was doing. He's only 21. He needs time. That's the thing, man. The Rangers have a decent core of guys, but when push comes to shove, how good are your good guys? And that's the thing that jumped out in the uh, the Carolina series for me against the Rangers was the Rangers' big dogs were better than Carolina's big dogs. Fox outplayed Slavin. Zabinjad outplayed Aho. I would say... I would say Panarin outplayed Svechnikov, even though Svechnikov and Panarin, neither was particularly good in that series. Uh, I'm frustrated, man. You do not get guarantees to come back. And there are legitimate question marks about what they're going to do going forward with the roster construction here because they have decisions to make. They have to replace Vetrano, Strom, Heedle, and the lineup. Not Heedle, excuse me, Cop. They have to replace Strom, Cop, and Vetrano in the forward group have to replace those guys somewhere they could be internal promotions guys from other organizations that got to fill those lineup spots hell even if they keep all three they still got to figure out how they're going to afford to keep all three they have to find a backup goalie they probably have to find a third pair defenseman they probably have to find a way they have to find a team to take nemitz contract they're gonna have to find a way to they're going to have to find a way to find one more bona fide guy and bona fide top six guy. And even, that's on top of the team they had already this year. And that's the thing. But Toronto was very good as a, a very good rental. He went from being a healthy scratch in Florida to playing first line minutes with the Rangers. And he played really good, well off of Zabinjad and Kreider. I don't think you can win a Stanley Cup if Frank Petrano's on your first line. I don't think you can win a Stanley Cup if Ryan Strom is your center on your second line, or a cop for that matter. I think Andrew Cop is a really good middle six tweener. I think if he's your third line center, you're a very good team. If he's your second line center, I think you probably have a little bit of a shallower team. And the Rangers got decisions to make, man. They're going to have to figure out what the deal is with Kako. And if Gallant doesn't like him for whatever reason, Gallant's going to have to figure it out. Or the Rangers are going to have to turn Kako into an asset. Because you cannot flub guys you take second overall. You can't. 
If you want to be a good NHL franchise, you can't be flubbing your second overall picks. And they're not even flubbing him terribly. My real fear, my big, big fear for this group is that the GM and the coach think they had the formula right. That they think that adding Sammy Blay, Goudreau, Reeves, Nemeth, that those type of guys are the reason the Rangers were better this year. Not that they had one of the best goalie seasons of all time. And Igor's going to be good next year. He's going to win the Vezina. He's probably going to finish third in the heart vote this year. Igor will be fine next year. He's probably not going to be a 936 save percentage goalie again next year. That kind of shit just doesn't happen. That's one of the best goalie seasons of all time. And if you go from one of the best goalie seasons of all time to, like, the sixth best goalie in the league, the Rangers would lose, like, eight more games than they did this past season. That's the kind of impact we're talking about with Igor. I forget exactly what the math was, how many fewer points. I wrote about this during the season, trying to calculate just how valuable Igor was. And based on the amount of goals saved above expected he had, it was about one more goal against every other game. So if you have, let's say you had all of those one goal games, I think the Rangers were like 15, six and four, something like that in one goal games. If you just split that in half and you give them four wins out of that, four wins, four losses, like three overtime losses and that split instead of wins in the one goal games, they're not a playoff team. And I know that sounds very, like, the extreme end of perspective here, but that is how good Igor was this year. And I really don't think people who just assume the Rangers are going to be back understand that. And a lot of people are just penciling the Rangers in to be good next year on the assumption that the kids will all be a little bit better next year. So even if there's drop-off from the veterans, the kids will make up the difference. Based on what? What indication do you have that the Rangers are going to magically figure out how to get a 50-point season out of Capococco or a 55-60 point season out of Filipino? I th- I myself personally think Filipino can be a second-line center in the NHL with some upside because of the dynamic abilities he has. Are the Rangers going to give him an opportunity to win that job in training camp, to ride shotgun with Panarin, to play with Panarin? Or are they going to do what they always do, where they start off the kids high in the lineup, a week goes by, the coach doesn't like whatever bullshit arbitrary reason he has, and then he's going to play Barkley Goodrow second-line center and Heedle third-line center because Goodrow's such a good leader. That's the kind of shit that irks me, man. I need explanations. I need to understand your decisions. And they're going to be the very dumb, mouth-breathing idiots that'll say, well, they're the professionals. They don't need to explain themselves to you. All the Rangers do is fucking annoy us for money, for tickets, for merchandise, for events. That is ridiculously overpriced. The Rangers were charging $490 for standing room only tickets for Game 5. That is disgusting. They are charging $490 for standing room only, and the head coach can't explain to everybody why he didn't want to dress Kako. It's embarrassing. It is genuinely embarrassing 
that these people think they're better than everybody else so they don't have to explain themselves. Like Gallant very clearly does, because anytime he gets asked even a slightly difficult question, he just shuts it down and doesn't acknowledge it. That's the kind of stuff that bullies do, that, just to be frank, ineffective leaders do. If, if you can't feel, if you don't feel like you can explain yourself to anybody... You're probably not a good leader. And I know everybody's going to... There are going to be people who are listening to me say this right now. Well, look at the difference between Quinn and Gallant and the result. David Quinn, objectively, a moron. Not a smart individual. Everybody saw that clip floating around of him talking shit about Hito, Kako, and Lafreniere. That they weren't tough. That they weren't ready for these difficult situations that the team was going to face. That guy was a fucking arrogant schmuck. Gallant at least has a little bit of a track record of success, so he's going to get the benefit of the doubt from most people. I, He's fine. He's probably like the ninth or 10th best coach in the NHL. I don't know how much of a difference that makes compared to, say, the 13th or 14th. It's not like the NFL where there's a huge difference between 8th and 14th because with the 14th best coach in the league, I don't think you could win a Super Bowl. The 8th best coach in the NFL, you probably could win a Super Bowl. So by that logic, I don't think... I, look, I had three separate people on Saturday say to me, would you hire Bruce Cassidy? Yes, 100%. Bruce Cassidy is one of the five best coaches in the NHL. He gets great defensive results out of bad players. He got a good defensive season out of Derek Forbort. The Blue, the, excuse me, the Blues. The Bruins were the number one team in expected goals against, again, in four of the five years that Cassidy was the coach there, the Bruins were top five in expected goals against. Elite defensive team. Something the Rangers desperately need because the Rangers' defense is bad. They have a lot of good talent on the back end, but they don't play good team defense because the way the coach wants them to play is not conducive to good defensive results. If you are consistently allowing the other team to create scoring chances, to generate rebounds, to cycle the puck on you, you are going to get tired out and you're either going to take a penalty or concede a goal. I really, 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 really would like to say the Rangers recognize Jacob Trouba is not good. They don't. If anything, I was talking to somebody about this today. I think the Rangers are more likely to name Trouba captain than to trade him because they think he's so his intangibles are so valuable to this group. Oh man, that sucks. Uh. I'm very upset. I'm still probably going to process my way through this a little bit. I'll probably write something for Gotham on Monday that'll go up on Tuesday. Kind of a little bit more deep, a little more detail-based, a little bit more evidence-based, as opposed to me just kind of talking off the cuff here. I had a lot of my thoughts in the Twitter spaces on Saturday. That was pretty good. Um, Planning on doing a Twitter Spaces sometime on Monday with a couple of my friends who want to talk hockey. More than welcome. I love having feedback. I like when the audience can get involved. So definitely going to be doing a Twitter Spaces on Monday afternoon. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Not getting podcasts for me. Maybe I might write something, but I have concert stuff all three days. Time to be a Farb. Going to go see Phoebe. Cannot wait. All three shows, going to all three New York shows. I'm very excited for that. Um, yeah, 
exciting things on the horizon. Got a new project I'm very excited to announce that's coming up soon that's going to drop very shortly with somebody I'm very excited to collaborate with. So when the time's right, we'll announce that. That'll just about do it for today's show. The last thing I want to leave you with before I say goodbye, send you on your way to your Monday. Very grateful for the people I get to interact with daily, the Rangers, as much as this hockey team gives me fucking agita and makes me want to put my head through a TV. I wouldn't have all the awesome friends I do if the Rangers weren't my hockey team. So I'm very grateful for all the people I've interacted with, I've met, I've talked to over the course of this season. It's a fun, it's the best sports community I am a part of because of the the people I get to interact with are just the best. There are so many cool people that I've gotten the chance to meet, to spend time with, to go to games with over the course of this year, who've been on the show. There's a few people I want to get on the show who haven't gotten a chance to yet. We're going to get Bay Shesty on here at some point this summer. Andrew's a great conversation, a really good hang. We went to the first Ranger game after the trade deadline where they blew that lead to the Devils and then got smoked by the Devils. So we'll talk about that with Andrew and a bunch of other stuff. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I hope everybody has sobered up since Saturday. I know I had myself a hell of a depression drinking night after the Rangers lost. Oh, man. Okay, hockey offseason for the Rangers, but cup final starts soon. We'll talk about the Lightning and the Avs. Probably get Maeve back on here. Maybe we'll get Shelves back in the mix to talk about the Lightning. Maybe we could do some kind of crossover episode with both of them. That could be pretty fun. The content's not going to stop. Even if the Rangers are dead, content doesn't stop. Have a good Monday. I probably won't see you guys on this show until next week, so if that's the case... Everybody have themselves a good week. I'm sorry, Capococco, you didn't deserve that. Igor, bud, I know you're not going to, but you absolutely deserve to win the heart. Great fucking season, man. I'll see you guys soon.